Okay, man, you guys excited? I don't believe you. Okay, um, we have been in a series over the past few weeks where we've been leaning into the names of God, and, and the reason we're doing this is because names matter, right? Names matter to us. They definitely matter to God, and whenever we get focused in on really doing the best that we can to understand who he is by looking at the way he describes himself, it is going to bring strength to our faith. Look, the, the city is filled with people, and, and the world is filled with people who know about God. Uh, but there is a significant difference in knowing about God and knowing God. And, and, and I'll tell you one thing. I want my life to be filled with the power of heaven. Amen. Could you use a little strength in your life? Could you use a little strength in your faith? Could you use a little strength in your hope muscle? Well, that comes when we know God, not just know of him, but actually know him. And, and what I want to do is I want to challenge us today. You guys up for a challenge? Okay, there's about five of you that are responding to me. And so I'm going to ask again, and, and I'm just going to pretend like you're all excited to be here, okay? Like, uh, I don't want to hear the people online louder than I'm hearing you, okay? So uh, are you excited to be here? Yeah. Uh, okay, all right. Now, that, that, that helps. Now, here's the challenge for us today. The challenge is, is that we don't allow the familiarity that we might have with the passage of Scripture to rob us from the truth that is in that passage of Scripture. Are you with me? I think one of the most dangerous places that we can be is knowing enough information to think that we know it all, but not knowing enough to realize that we have a lot to learn. And I think sometimes there are areas scriptures that maybe this is your first time at church and we're going to read a passage of scripture and all of it might ring familiar to you and that familiarity can actually be dangerous just as much as it can be powerful because we have to be willing to lean in and say God would you allow your word to get bigger than what I have known and show me truly who you are. So can we all have wide eyes and open hearts this morning that we can lean into a passage of scripture maybe that you have seen in every doctor's office, on every graduation card, on posters? If we can all look at this scripture together and say, you know what, if I'm going to see this today, I want to see it as if I'm seeing it for the first time, and let's not allow the familiarity that we might have with it to steal from what God wants to show us. And that passage of scripture is Psalms 23. Psalms 23. And this is what it says The Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Ra. The Lord is my shepherd. And this is the name that we're going to really lean in today. Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. Now listen to David do his best to describe for us what the shepherd is like. 
He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even, everybody say even. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. And if you're a note taker, this is what I want you to write down. And if you're not, this is what I'm really going to try to make you remember today. Who you make your shepherd will determine how you experience the battlefield. Who you make your shepherd will determine how you experience the battlefield of life. Some of you are young up in the house. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm old. And so I'm reaching back, and you might be living in the middle of this. But how many of you who are old remember when we did group projects? Right. And and group projects, specifically in school, you would randomly be stuck in a group of people. Usually one person would do nothing. Right? Beef confirmed with moochers, okay? Okay. And then the la- right before the project was going to be done, they would try to do all this work so that you couldn't actually definitively say that they didn't do anything, although they really didn't do anything. They offered to make the copies. That- that's not really what we're talking about today, but I need some more inner healing, some freedom, prayer from, from-, from bad group experiences. But, you know, when that group was first formed, I want you to think back, right? Some of you are are in the middle of this right now. But when that group was first formed, there's this weird, quiet struggle that happens in the first few minutes of that group meeting together. As you are trying to figure out who's going to be the group leader. Y'all remember that feeling? Everybody's trying to, like, quietly position themselves, you know, like, Give a couple opinions like, oh, yeah, you know, well, maybe, you know, if I was leading, then, you know, like, and this is what, and there's this weird kind of power struggle that happens at the beginning of a group project as you're trying to figure out who is in charge. Who's going to be the group leader? Now, thankfully, this was, look, I, I hated that experience. I hated it. All right, like, because there's always be the person who would volunteer. And then their group was filled with people who didn't want to have any conflict. And so they would just let them run with it. And they had zero leadership skills. Right? And and there was nothing worse for me as a college student specifically to be in a bad group. Because that means I'm going to get a what? A bad grade. I didn't want that. I was so thankful to graduate for three reasons. No homework. I was married. And no more group projects. And I had never really experienced that awkward feeling until I went to go play paintball. 
then that, that same feeling of who's in charge crept up again as they divided us up into teams. And now we're having to figure out how we're going to attack the other team. Okay? Now, I went and played paintball with a bunch of dudes. And look, I just want to tell you, I've never felt more loved and connected to a group of men in my life than when I'm just shooting them. You know what I mean? It was just, oh, it was so rich, man. You want to talk about community? That's what I'm talking about, dude. Let's go in the woods. Let's inflict pain on one another, run around, get sweaty, and pretend to be warriors. That's what I'm talking about. No one asking me how I'm doing. I don't know how I'm doing. Stop asking. Any other men in the house say amen? My team was trying to figure out who was the leader without someone claiming I'll just be the leader. Okay? And so what that translated to was a bunch of people talking at the same time. Have you experienced this? Everybody contradicting everybody else's ideas. Hey, what if we did this? And somebody else being like, no, I think we should do this. And somebody else is like, and finally, I have the ability to be loud. I don't know if y'all knew that. I have the ability to raise my voice. And so I got louder than everyone else and started telling them what my plan was for all of our lives. You're going to go here. I'm going to go here. This is what's going to happen. Right? And I'm the last man screaming. And then they blow the whistle. To say, game is on, right? So I take off executing my plan, thinking that everybody is with me. And I found myself knee-deep in mud in a puddle with nothing to hide behind but one little stick. And I turn around, and nobody followed me. And I'm getting lit up, man, like a Christmas tree by both teams. I really think that my team turned on me because I don't know how in the world the other team would get behind me at that point. And I'm getting shot from the front, the side, and the back. Here's what I learned. When you try to be your own shepherd, it'll kill you. When you try to be your own shepherd, it will Kill you. Who you make your shepherd will determine how you experience the battlefield. Listen, we have been our own shepherd since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. When sin entered the world, it rode on the back of humanity's desire to lead itself, provide for itself, and protect itself. What do shepherds do? They lead, they provide, and they protect. And so when Adam and Eve were created by the living God, when God created man and Woman, he created them, and then he led them, and he provided for them, and he protected them. God was a good shepherd to Adam and Eve. And the primary way that they understood him as God would have been through the lens of a shepherd because he led them around the garden 
and showed them this is where you can hang out. And if you hang out here and you do what I'm asking you to do, you will be provided for and protected. But then Genesis 3 happens. And again, let me challenge us. Let not our familiarity with this passage rob us from the truth that's in this passage. And Genesis 3 happens and it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord has made. Now if you're new to the Bible, you need to understand that this was the devil, the enemy of God, wearing the mask of a serpent. And he shows up to Adam and Eve and he says to the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat from the tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. Why? Because God is a what? He's a provider. He is a leader. He led them. He showed them. You can eat this. This is, this is a safe place for you. He's a good shepherd. But God did say you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Why? Because God is a good shepherd. He's a protector. And he's saying, look, don't do this because it's going to harm you. But look at all that I've provided for you. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And the, the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Sin entered the world because of the human desire to be our own shepherd. To be like God, to lead ourselves, to provide for ourselves, to make my life happen my way right away. And from that moment, our world went from a place of peace and provision into a battlefield of sin and death and pain littered with people trying to lead, pro uh, provide, and protect themselves. And Jesus comes onto the scene in Matthew 9, and it says this in verse 35, that, that he went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And check out verse 36. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Again, who you make your shepherd will determine how you experience the battlefield of your life. Who you make your shepherd will determine how you experience what you're going through in life. So the question for us is who is our shepherd? Who is our shepherd? Can we go a little deeper in this? Are you with me? You seem sleepy. I know it's hot in here. I'm sweating. I apologize. Okay? But like, come on. This is exciting, man. You're not watching golf. Goodness gracious, it doesn't say Baptist church outside. Let's get hype in here, man. Come on. Let's go. All right. Sorry, a little frustrated internally. Okay, here we go. 
Jump with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Because what we're going to find is that who you make your shepherd will determine how you see your battlefield. Now, I also like to put it this way. The state of your heart, the state of your heart when the crap of life hits the fan will reveal to you who your shepherd is. Let me say that again because that's going to help somebody. The state of your heart when life happens to you will reveal to you who you have made your shepherd. 2 Kings chapter 6 says this, verse 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel, and after confronting with his officers, he says, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. And then the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Be, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. And time again, Elijah warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. And this enraged the king of Aram. And he summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, the Lord, my Lord and king said one of his officers, but Elisha, but Elijah, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. How many of you know that God has a plan for you and the enemy can try to disrupt it? But if we are following the good shepherd, no plan of the enemy can have an effect on you. What happens next is the king of Aram says, I, I, I want you to go find this prophet. I want you to go find this guy, the secret weapon, this decoder of my thoughts. Let's go find that guy. If we can get that guy, then we can conquer Israel. And so they find Elisha in this little town called Dothan, and, 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 and this is what it says in verse 15. It's covered with darkness. They surround the city. They're ready to attack. And then this happens. When the servant of the man of God, Elijah's buddy, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no. <laughs> I love that. Oh, no. I don't know if that's actually what he said. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it there. Oh, no, my Lord. What shall we do, the servant asked. And listen to what Elijah says. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened his servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Hear me. The state of your heart will reveal who you've made your shepherd. Listen, Elijah's servant and Elisha woke up in the same circumstance and taught, saw two totally separate things. 
Elisha's servant, saw that he was overwhelmed, outgunned, and surrounded. Why? Because he was his own shepherd. And when you are your own shepherd, it's up to you to provide a way out, lead yourself, and protect yourself. And you can only see what's in the natural. Elijah woke up and he had made God his shepherd. He was living in the revelation that God is a God who leads, protects, and provides. And so when he looked out, he did not see the enemies surrounding the city. He saw that God had surrounded his enemies. Because who you make your shepherd will determine how you see the battlefield. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want to declare to you today, you do not have to be shaken as the world is shaking around you. You do not have to be shaken when the world is shaking around you. The fear that the servant was feeling blinded his heart from seeing what God was doing. Hear me, because this is what's going on in culture right now. This is what's happening. This is what's going on. Is the pressure, the, the fear that we are surrounded, there's more of them than there are of us, because we have our culture that we have made ourselves the shepherd. And, and we don't understand that God is our shepherd. Yeah, we might know it, but we don't know it. And when you just know of something, there's no power in it. There's no strength in it. But when we know Jehovah Ra, that God is our shepherd, that he will lead us and provide for us and give us what we need. And then even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with us. Because he's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. One of the things that have been honestly super challenging over the past year and a half, half is seeing how fragile the church is. Can I be real with you really quick? It is so sad how fragile the church has become. It's so disheartening that I have a list that grows what seems to be daily of people who have opt out of, the, opt out of their faith, opt out of their families, because the, because the journey got hard. I don't know where we picked up along the line that following God is easy. I don't know where we got that, honestly. Because you didn't get it from the Bible. Because if you read the Bible, it's like, dang, it seems like if you follow God, it's like harder. It's, the, it's good times and bad times at the same time. You know what I mean? But, but what, what we have done is, is we, have, we have deceived ourselves 
into thinking that idolatry is worshiping a statue of a chubby dude. When idolatry is also worshiping yourself as the shepherd. And so we actually should not be surprised that many have not made it over the pain of 2020 and 2021. Because if you're your own shepherd, there's no strength in your faith. You have no power to push back on the pressure of culture. And what our city needs and what our families need is they need us to know that God is the shepherd of our lives. And what that means is, is that we will not be shaken. Are you hearing me? We should not be shaking on the inside. There should be no shaking that's happening. There should be no fear in the uncertainty. There should should be no rumbling in our spirit. Because Psalm 62 says this, my soul finds rest in God alone. And the shepherd, my salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. And listen, I will never be shaken. Hear me, there are plenty of people in plenty of places that are filled with people who know of God. But knowing of God just allows you to have a false strength until the wind blows. And the wind is blowing, church. And the wind will only increase. The fire is only getting hotter. The, the, the road is only getting more narrow. But we don't have to be shaken. We don't have to be shaken. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Listen, the rain came down. It's going to rain. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is a foolish man who built his house on sand and the rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and it beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is speaking to us here. It's time for a church to arise out of the ashes of our city that knows Jehovah Ra. that says my circumstances determine not 
the goodness of my God, his provision on my life, and the hope that I carry. We, we, have, we have ejected this understanding that one of the greatest tools we have in the Christian faith is our ability to suffer and thrive. We often see suffering as something we have to get through to get to the prize. No, no, no. Suffering is the prize. Suffering is a, Jesus said, pick up your what? Cross and follow me. The, the rain's going to come. The earth is going to shake. The foundations are going to be flapping all around. But if a church understands that he is a good shepherd, we will not be shaken. Man, that's what we need. We need a church that's not shaking. Going, oh, what are we going to do? Ah! No, we do what we always do. We love Jesus. We love our neighbor. Let it shake. Let, let, let the world shake. I, I, I'm weird. I get hype when things go bad. I'm like, oh, dang, here we go. It's about to get real. Bad news happens, you know, something catastrophic. Oh, this is happening again, a surge of this, this variant. Oh, this vaccine's going to kill you. All the stuff. All the opinions. All, all the, the rigmarole of, oh, man, mind control and do this, and they're manipulating this, and what about this? All of that stuff. Who cares? Who freaking cares? Let it shake. Let the rain come. Let the storm blow. Let the wind blow. It doesn't affect us. And if it's affecting you, who is your shepherd? Who's your shepherd? If you're shaking on the inside, you're following the wrong shepherd. Can I go ahead and just be straight up? If you're shaking on the inside, check your shepherd. Because it's not the good shepherd. Because David made it crystal clear that we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil if we're with him. That somehow he'll make a table for us in the presence of our enemies. How in the world do we put this scripture on every card, everything, every hospital room, and we obsess about the first four verses about how God will lead us and provide for us and protect us and everything, but then it goes into the darkest hole ever. The transition is, you will lead us. And then it says, when I walk. <laughs> Think about that. You want to have a theological minefield go off in your head. You will lead us, and then we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So if he's leading us, how did we get there? Did we, like, detour? And he's like, oh, let me come. No. If he leads us, he always leads us. So that means he's leading you right now. Even though it feels like you're in the valley of the shadow of death, there is a feast for you if you open your eyes not to what the enemy's doing, but what God is doing. Because Elijah saw, although it looks like defeat is imminent, 
he wasn't wavered because he knew that the good shepherd was where he found his protection and his provision. And so as his servant was overwhelmed, Elijah said, you're not seeing the whole picture. Let, let, let me pray that God opens your eyes. You know, you know what he was saying? He was saying, you know what? I'm going to pray that you start seeing the good shepherd. That you see him. Because when you see the good shepherd, we're no longer overwhelmed by the chaos that's happening on earth. Man, and look, this is the gift of the church is that we get to be a beacon of hope and light in the storm. In the storm. In it. Yeah, man, we've got stories of people who have walked through it. And, it's, and I love those stories, man. But we also have stories of people that are in it. And when you can be in it, and not be shaken by it. There's power there. And can I say that we need a resurgence of the power of God in our lives. And that is going to come when we collectively repent of our idolatry of making ourselves our shepherd. Of saying, you know what, I'm tired of trying to lead my way through this, provide for myself, and protect myself through self-protection, isolation. You, ch you choose your potion of protection. But the truth is, if those tendencies are in you, it's because there's a human tendency for us to be our own shepherd in our flesh. And we must crucify our flesh to the cross. So that we might experience Jehovah Ra. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you're with me. He's with us. Stop looking for a way out of the storm and start looking for God in the storm. Because he's with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They demonstrate your power and your authority for me in the middle of a shaking. It's your rod and your staff. It's your truth and your leadership that holds me so that all that is shaking around me does not shake me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love this because what David's trying to do here is say... It's somehow I have to describe what it feels like to thrive and suffer at the same time. That's what he's trying to do. 
It, it, David never showed up to a battlefield and God was sitting there with the table of his favorite food. No, this, this is his best attempt to describe what it feels like when you're surrounded yet not threatened. And he says, you know what it's like? It's like there's a feast for me with all the people that I love and, and, and all the laughter and all the stories and all my favorite food and all the things that I love. There's that level of joy and excitement and expectation and pleasure. All of that is happening at the same time that I'm in the presence of the people who are trying to malign me and kill me and steal from me, it has no effect on me. I'm feasting in the presence of my enemies. Who's your shepherd? Are you feasting in the presence of your enemies or are your enemies feasting on you? The state of your heart will reveal to you who your shepherd is. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You don't have to be shaken when everything is shaking. If you're feeling overwhelmed today, if you're feeling surrounded, you feel like you're shaking, the good shepherd is here. And what's amazing about our shepherd is that he will go out of his way to go find you from where you've wandered being your own shepherd. Isn't it amazing in all the ways that Jesus could describe himself? One of the stories that he said was he was like, it's like a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off. And he'll leave the 99 to go find the one. The one who thought that they could be their own shepherd to lead themselves, protect themselves, provide for themselves. And, 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 and Jesus said that, you know what the Father's like? Is that he goes and he finds that sheep and he doesn't punish it for falling into the trap of the human need for idolatry, but he rescues it and then celebrates that he found it and returns it. We can return to the shepherd. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and if you are here today frustrated, lost, confused, overwhelmed, it's time to come to the good shepherd and stop being your own shepherd. And the state of your heart will tell you who you're following. The state of your heart will reveal to you who's in control in your life. The state of your heart will show you clearly if you are following the good shepherd or you are following yourself.
because the good shepherd allows us to walk through hard things, walk through pressure and not be crushed, to be struck down but not destroyed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He is with us. Do me a favor. I want you to stand to your feet. What I want us to do today in response is to do business with God. I know this is a straight up message and it's not an easy one, but how many of you know that it's, it's not the easy ones that we need right now? Can I get an amen? I want a strong church. I want a church that knows the Bible in and out and finds strength in knowing who God is so that we will not be shaken. We will not be overwhelmed. We will not be overcome. We will not be torn down because we are following a shepherd that will lead us, provide for us, bring security to us. And, th and this is what I want us to do. We need to repent. We, we need to repent. For every way that we have followed the idol of ourselves, followed the idol of this contrived notion that life in God is easy and therefore if life is hard, then God must not be real. And we need to repent of that because I'll tell you, when we turn from our wickedness, the Lord is there. And he meets us and he fills us with power, grace, and he gives us fresh life. And look, I know that this room is filled and there are hundreds of you online that are watching this all over the place. And I don't want you just to zoom past this moment. If, if you need to repent because you are shaking on the inside because of what's happening on the outside in your life, I want you just to make your way to the front. Just come on up here because we want to pray for you. And that act of boldness of saying, you know what, I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm going to go towards something that's going to unlock something in your soul. Because you need to know that God leads you and provides for you and protects you. And you're worn out and, and getting ready to throw in the towel because you've been following the wrong shepherd. And you need to repent and return to the good shepherd. So as we sing, I want you just to make your way on up here. And look, before we do that, I know that some of you do not know. You have not made Jesus your shepherd. You are here or you are watching online and... And you're like, you know what? I don't know if I've ever surrendered my life to the good shepherd. I don't know if I've ever given my life to Jehovah Ra, the one who will lead, protect, and provide. And the Bible says all we need to do is to confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, and that he died on the cross and rose again from the dead, conquering sin and death. And we will be saved. Saved from what? The trap of being your own shepherd. Saved from what? Eternal separation from God. Saved from what? devastation on the impacts of what's happening on the earth because when he's your shepherd yeah the earth is shaking but you don't have to shake anymore and so if you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus just everybody real quick close your eyes shoot your hand up in the earth I see you anybody else
Yeah, I see you. Anybody else? Come on. Come on, a little bit longer. Come on, can we just celebrate with these who have surrendered their lives to Jesus? It's a good thing, church. That's a good thing. That's why we exist. It's why we exist. So look here, I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray after me, and then the band's going to go into a song. And if you need to repent and get your life right with the Good Shepherd, don't miss your moment. I want you to come on up here. Some of our team will come and pray for you. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Set my feet upon the rock of your salvation. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. You're now my shepherd. Not me, but you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, let's all respond.